0: If you were expecting Aaron, I'm sorry, but he got called out on business out of town, and so somebody had to take his place. We are studying the book of Numbers and the stories that go there, and and as Ian picked out that song, I mean, that really is a song we could do every Wednesday night for these because one of the problems they have is God is protecting these people, and he's taking them places, and he's, he's... promising them all kinds of stuff and they just don't get it. They really don't. And it, it's just amazing of all the things they saw in, in Egypt and all of the things they saw crossing the Red Sea and they immediately don't put their trust in God. Well, I'll get started in a minute. Last Wednesday the chapter ended, Numbers 12, the 16th first, and said afterwards the people moved from Hezroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. I'm going to outdo Justin tonight because i got lots and lots of maps. I thought it was appropriate, though, because, again, through our study in Numbers, we're going to spend a lot of time in the 40 years traveling around in the Sinai Peninsula. And so getting familiar with the maps and what we're looking at, I think, I think is important. The, this started out, the down here at Mount Sinai, or Hebron, is where the the Ten Commandments are given. And this begins by saying they were here in Hazaroth. And they moved north out of Hazaroth and headed towards uh, Kadesh Barnea. And we'll talk about that in a a minute. But all of this area is where they travel around for 40 years eventually. But they're moving north towards Israel that we know of Israel, which is up in this area right here. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their father you will send a man, everyone, a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the commandment of the Lord. Again, just emphasizing this, what did God say? He said, I'm giving the land to you, it's yours. All you got to do is take it. Now, I underlined leader here because, I don't know, maybe I just read over this a number of times and never really thought about it, but I thought a bunch of young men going out and spying the land. Well, these were leaders of their tribes. These were people they looked up to. These were people that had some authority among the tribes. And in fact, it continues by saying, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. So these these weren't just A bunch of teenage guys, they sent out to uh, do the look at the land. These were people that the people looked up to, and when they came back, were going to have some kind of authority. They were going to understand these people. If you turn to Deuteronomy, the first chapter, you get your, it's sort of a parallel verses here of Numbers 13. But it's got a little bit different perspective when it says, so we departed from uh, Horeb, which Is Sinai, and went through all the great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God hath commanded us. Then we came to Gadash Barnea, and I said to you, You have come to the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged, as we sing in the song. This is Moses talking to the people here in Deuteronomy. And this is saying, go up, take the land. God has given it to you. Just go do it. Don't be afraid or discouraged. In the 22nd verse, it says, And every one of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us, and let them search out the land for us, and bring back word to us the way by which we should go up, and the cities into which we shall come. The plan pleased me, speaking of Moses, well. So I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe. So the children of Israel, a group of them came to Moses and said, Look, we need to send people up and spy out the land and look at the land. In Numbers, we show where God said, Okay, go do that. But it was a the people themselves came to Moses and said, We need to look at the land that God has given us. Now, again, we notice here that they were talking about being here instead of starting here, but being there and going all the way up to Kadesh Barneas. Okay? Reading in Numbers 13, chapter, and the fourth verse, it says, Now these were the names, and I am not going to do 12 tribes of names. I have tried. I'm not going to do it. It's just embarrassing. But there are two that are important for us to know. There's Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, and Hosea, the son of Nun. Those are the only two spies that came back and said, yeah, let's take the land. It's beautiful. God has given it to us. In the, the 16th verse there, in Numbers 13, it said, These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So Hosea and Caleb were the two men that said we can take the land. And Moses changed his name to Joshua. Actually, according to what scholars were telling me, it's Hosea, which means salvation. This same Hebrew word is the word for Jesus. Now there's some parallels that we can draw from Joshua who led the children of Israel. He was the commander in chief just as our Lord is the commander in chief of the heavenly armies. He was that commander in chief of the Israelite people. He was the one who took them to the promised land. Jesus takes us to the promised land. There are parallels that you can draw between Joshua his salvation, and the Hebrew name for Jesus. So it says, Then Moses sent them to spy out of the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps of strongholds, whether the land is Rich or poor, or whether there are forests there are not, be of good courage and bring, them, bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes, which I would presume was late spring, early summer. God said, I'm going to give you this land. And now you're going to go see, well, can we take the land? Even Moses got caught up in this. For it says, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few men, what difference did it make? God said, it's yours, go get it. They, but that they couldn't understand that. Whether the land they dwell in was good or bad, God told them it was a land of milk and honey. So why are they going to go look? They're going to go look and say, well, is it milk and honey? Well, God said it was, it should be. Whether the cities they inhabited are like camps or strongholds, Again, they keep thinking they're going to have to defeat these people. In fact, that's their problem all the way through this chapter. The next chapter is they think it's their job, that they got to go do it, and it's not. God said it was theirs. They can have it. Whether the land is rich or poor and whether the forest there or not, especially in ancient times, actually, especially up until modern times, having a forest was important. Because if you didn't have wood, you're not going to have fire. If you don't have fire, it's hard to eat. Everything's raw. And so wood is really, really important. So one of the things they were looking for is, are there forest? The 21st verse says, So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Amoth. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahimon, Shiashia and Talmia, the descendants of Anak. Anak were supposedly giants. Were there now? Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. The zone is an interesting place. If you're uh, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, that's where they went to find the lo- the the clues to find the. Uh, uh, Ark of the Covenant, it was Tanis, And Tanis is, is the Greek word for Zonin, and that's where they were going, to Tanis. The Egyptians, according to the scholars that I was reading, Egyptians considered to be the, one of the oldest towns around, and that's the reason why here in the Scriptures, I believe, it says Hebron was seven years older. So this area of the country we're talking about, let me, let me just go to the map, this area of the country that we're talking about, this area right here, is older than Egypt. People were there, and the history was there, and there were uh, kingdoms, and and there were tribes, and there was all kinds of things going on history-wise in this area of the country, even older than Egypt. And in fact, essentially, and we'll look at it here in a minute, essentially everything biblical in the Old Testament occurs right in this area right through here, and which goes back to a very long time ago. One, I thought one of the interesting was it said they were going to go to Hebron. Let me go back. This is where they were in Kadesh Barnea. And it says they went to Hormon, they went up to Hebron, and probably own up into this area. Uh, it's just a supposition on my part because na- I don't see the names of the towns. But they were there for about 40 days, we'll read here in a minute. But that's where they were traveling up to spy the land. And one of the places they went was Hebron. And we already, long, long time ago, hundreds of years before they went to spy the land, Abraham had bought some land in Hebron. For it says, and Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These were the years of the the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. So Abraham bought some land to bury his wife in Hebron. Now, when you think about it history-wise, these people didn't know anything about that. I mean, 400 years in Egypt, Abraham was before that. The, the fact that it, they, all of these people had been there, so yes... God's people had been in this area for a very long time, but the people that were living there probably had no recollection, I would think, of that Abraham and others that that had been there. I've got a map here. I'm big on maps. But this map, I want to start and, and blow into it, but I want you to get a feel for where we are in the world. This is a relatively small area of the world, There's Saudi Arabia, there's Egypt, Iran, Iraq. This little brown area right here is Israel. That's all it is. It's that little spot, okay? And the piece of white that you see right there is the Dead Sea, and it carries a big chunk of all of Israel. I blew it up a little bit, and this is the same map but blown up some. You can see here there's the Dead Sea, and that little bitty speck right there is the Sea of Galilee, This is all of modern Israel today, and right there is the Gaza Strip that they talk about, and they talk about that in the war that's going on right now, that the people were trying to escape into Egypt, which is here, through that little narrow way. More maps. I wanted to show, this is a map of the ancient Israel. There's the tribe of Manasseh was here, and on this side of the Jordan River. The Jordan River runs right here. This is the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River continues out of the Sea of Galilee and runs all the way down into the the Dead Sea. And these are the various tribes of Israel at the time, and this is the ancient Israel there. In 1948, well, in 1947, there was no Israel. You got, from a history standpoint, you need to understand that there was no Israel in 1947 the UN came to, came out and said we're going to give the the Jews the Israelite people we're going to give them back parts of Israel. And so this oops. So this is modern Israel and you can see there's the sea of Galilee here's the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. So all of the the Egypt Israel today is here and here's Egypt over there and there's Gaza and there's that piece of land that's the The West Bank, the West Bank's about four miles wide and about uh, between here and Panhandle, 25 miles, 28 miles. That's it. It's right there. So this is the modern. Now, and I'm not trying to be political. I don't want to be political. But this land, which did not belong to the Jews, was given to them in 1948, and they displaced a lot of Palestinians. That's where a lot of these problems are that we see today in the war. The Palestinians were there, and they were displaced by this Jewish new nation that came about through here. All right, so much for the maps. Let's get away from maps. Numbers, the 13th chapter, and the 23rd verse says, Then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs, the place was called the Valley of Escol because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. It's really interesting how commentaries talk about Every commentary that I read could not believe that you could have one cluster of grapes that took two guys to carry it. Well, why not? That's what I want to know. They said, well, we've seen grapes that weighed 14 pounds, but the reason they had it on... Two men carried it because they wanted to stay in one piece and one cluster and not get broken and all that. Well, maybe, but why not, why not say that it weighed 55 pounds? We don't know. But anyway, I always thought of it as a big, huge amount of grapes that required two guys to carry it comfortably. But maybe it was just they wanted to keep it in one big piece to show the people. Well, I, I just thought that was interesting. They all felt that way. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And this again, they're at Kadesh. And they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back the word to them, to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Surprise, surprise. I mean, God told them that it was, and it was a place of milk and honey. This is a picture of modern... Israel, where they went. This is what it looks like today. Whether, it, I mean, whether it's that God did this, the climate changed or what, but this is not a land of milk and honey. Okay, It was different in the time of the spies that came to the land. What you, What is known is if you had water, this land produces tremendous amounts of food. This is uh, fig, uh, yeah, palm trees with figs, uh, not figs, uh, dates, I'll get the right word out. That's a date palm, and it's in the same, right next to where I took that other picture. But it has water, and it grows. Israel today is a huge producer of bananas, a huge producer of citrus, a huge producer of dates, uh, olives. All of those, anytime they put water to this land, it makes a huge amount of vegetation and food. It's just there's no water there today. And there must have been in the time of the spies. Nevertheless, the people who dwelt in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, which again is considered to be a giant. The, Amal- uh, the Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwelt in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwelt by the sea and along the bank of the Jordan. So it, this place is beautiful and it's wonderful, but we can't take it. Look at all of these giants of the land. Look at all the that are there that, are going to go, that we have to go up against. Again, they couldn't ever get it through their skulls that God gave them the land. It didn't make any difference who was there. It was going to be theirs. But they were afraid, as the song we sang. They were afraid that they couldn't do it. And you know what? They couldn't do it. In chapter 14, not to... To spoil that, in chapter 14, they tried, and they got totally beat up. I mean, it was terrible. But you got to look at it from that standpoint. These are not soldiers. These people didn't have armament. These people didn't have chariots and horses and all that stuff. So they go and they look at this this land that's covered with these people, and they said, we can't take it, and they couldn't. It was impossible, but God could. And that's what Caleb says to them. He quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up to, at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb Caleb was saying there, he said, Look, it doesn't really make any difference. He said, Let's go get it. We can take it. All we have to do is go after it. But guess what the other ten said? But the men... Who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied on, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants or defeats anyone who comes in there. And all the people who we saw in it are, are men of great statute. They were afraid and they disagreed with Caleb and Joshua. We can't take it. It's, the people are too strong. If you go back to Deuteronomy, the first chapter, again, in that parallel groups of Scripture, it says, nevertheless, this is Moses speaking, you would not go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us in the land hands of the Amorites, to destroy us. Where we, Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people are greater and taller than we, the cities are greater and fortified up to the heavens. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Amakon there. It's, it's just like every time they came into an issue that they had an issue with Egyptian army coming to destroy them, saying, God has sent us out here. We, had, we were a lot better off as slaves. Now he's going to kill us. We get they got into. Across the Red Sea and got into the land. They said, "We're going to starve to death. What did you bring us out here to die for?" Everything was, everything was, whatever we did, we were going to die for it, or we we're going to get killed for it. Why didn't you just leave us alone? And it's the same thing here. He hates us, so he brought us out here to be destroyed by these people. Continue reading there in Deuteronomy, the first chapter. Then I said to you, "Do not be terrified or afraid of them." The Lord your God will go before you. He will fight you, fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw him, the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. And all the ways that you went until you came to this place, yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God. <clears throat> Moses tell him. he said, you saw what they did in Egypt. You saw what God did for you there. You saw that God has taken care of you in all this time and all of this travel. And you still don't believe. You don't believe that the Lord your God is going to take care of you. In Psalms, the 95th Psalm. The writer says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today you will hear His voice. Do not hearken to your hearts. Harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. They saw what I could do for them. For 40 years I was grieved with their generation and said, It is... A people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Quoted in Hebrews 3 18 through 19, the same idea there, the writer writing about. We don't want to be, have our hearts hardened and be like these Israelite people. But how easy it is for us today to try to rely on ourselves or say it can't be done or say that it's just not, it was just not possible, not realizing that God is taking care of us, that Christ is working for us and how easy it is for us to try to rely on our own ability instead of let God take control. So we finish up two lessons. The fight is the Lord's. They never got over it. They always thought it was their fight. It wasn't. It's God's fight. Christ over and over and over told his disciples and others, don't be afraid. We can handle it. God and Christ can handle it. They can. Don't be afraid. And again, God has already shown them that he would provide, that he was the one that was going to provide for them, not their ability, but God's ability. Remember Gideon, we'll finish here. And Judges 7 and 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites in their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hands have saved me. He narrowed it all the way down to 400 people. And that was enough. Trusting in God is something difficult to do. It was difficult for them. It's difficult for us. Don't kid yourself. But we need to. He can and will take care of us. I hope there's something in the lesson that has been thoughtful to you and you can think about in the coming week. As it is a custom, we're going to offer a song of invitation if there's someone subject to the gospel call. Come, you, come as we sing two verses of song selected. Jen.